going to put this out there that I think that if there are more nude theater performances, people will be way more interested in theater. Hi there, I'm Nito Kitchen. On tonight's meeting of the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association, hypnosis, terrorism, maybe drag queens, and hunks as we look at Damien Dietz's Beverly Kills. But since you can't complete your coup without your cohorts, tonight I'm joined by three generals with one defining quality that makes them stand out and completes their outfits. First up, she must break you, it's Amelia. Hello, I am renowned international spy, Amelia, and you can find me on Instagram at the nefarious navigator. Have you found the moose and squirrel for me? <laughs> I have, I have. I will give you notes. You must eat it and it will self-destruct. Good. <laughs> Wait, it self-destructs <laughs> after you eat it? Yes, and your stomach. It's like a suicide bomb, just like in the movie. <laughs> Next up, she's got style that will kill ya. It's Bridget. Please, do not use my alias. It is <laughs> Madame Geraldine Guillotine. Eat the rich. Oh, but they taste like sodium. Finally, I've run out of kill puns right now. It's Ro. Hello, my name is Ro, and I am the hacker. I do the hacking. Don't believe me? Go ahead, NATO. Ask me any question about computer. I will answer. Um, how much blast processing was in the Sega Genesis? I have no idea. What do I look like? Some kind of hacker? Fair point. Unfairly, tonight we're going to be looking at the indie gay comedy, finally an indie gay comedy by Damien Dietz, Beverly Kills. Everyone say hooray. Please. Hooray! Hooray! There we go. You've justified my opinions. One really cool thing about Deeds is that his films have been distributed by Trauma, TLA uh, releasing, who we mentioned in the latter days episode, and Water Bear Films. Water Bear and TLA were slash are two of the biggest distributors of queer cinema. So tonight we're looking at an established director for the Indian gay scene who didn't just up and disappear after one film. Isn't that fun? It's, it's fun, right? All right, screw you. You know what is fun? Our first game, I was into this before. It was cool. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Seven questions, three choices, one correct answer, negative points, and the winner is whoever has the most. Everyone ready? Yes. Ready. All right, then let's get going with question one. Gary Kelly played the title role of Beverly Jackson in Beverly Kills. He only appeared in one other film. Which was it? Damien Dietz's Love Life, Damien Dietz's Neverland, or Damien Dietz's Fag Hag? Yes, Bridget? I'm making a guest here, but it... Feels like Fag Hag is the right answer. It is oh. not the right answer for this one. Bro? Is it Neverland? That's correct. Fun fact, Neverland is the only film that Dietz ever won awards for, winning the Q Award at the Fort Worth Gay and Lesbian International Film Festival, and the honorable mention at Dances with Films. Dances with Films, huh? I'll give you three guesses at what movie they named that festival after. <laughs> uh, would it be La La Land or Beverly Kills? Oh, is that the mummy? <laughs> That's two out of three, baby. <laughs> Question two. Damien Dietz's first and last films, 1996's Respect My Ass, and 2010's Going Maverick, the Sarah Palin story, both have one thing in common. Tell me what that thing is. Is it number one? Respect My Ass was actually a proof of concept for Fag Hag, and Growing Maverick was a proof of concept for a film that never got picked up. Was it two? They both feature dildo puppets impersonating political figures. Or three, there's a chance they're both currently lost to the general public. Ro? Uh, dildo puppets for the meme, please? <laughs> I'm sorry, but your meme has died. No! Oh. <laughs> 
Amelia? Uh, was it? Sorry, what was that third option again? Uh, there's a chance they are both currently lost oh, to the general that one, yeah. public. I, I think they're lost to the general public. You're correct. Going Maverick is the only movie that is confirmed to have dildo puppets in it. And while they were both once on YouTube, Going Maverick and the other content on Dietz's channel have been removed. And with the unavailability of Respect My Ass, there's a chance those films are in private collections only right now. So, you know, if you have a copy, you know... Send in my way. On to question three. A fair amount of people use pseudonyms for this movie. Tell me which one of these actors didn't use a pseudonym. Was it number one? Kurt Kohler portrayed the out director as Burton Rhodes. Two, Shang Abrams appeared as Marquise using the name Michael Manuel Sanders. Or three, Luke Weaver appeared as Tyler Stripper as Tyler Jenkins. Yes, Ro? Is it Tyler the Stripper? You got it. Yay! Luke Weaver did portray Tyler the Stripper, but he did not use a pseudonym, so we'll probably come back to this when we talk about Hellbent, another movie that he's in. For now, let's just move on to question four. Here's one for Amelia so she can win again. <laughs> uh, which of these actors appeared in as Sancho in Orgasmo? Um, was it John Marlowe who played Rocco the Masseur, Rick Sparks who played Shane, or Leif Holt who played Hunter? Surprise, Amelia buzzed in. Ah, <laughs> uh, was it the masseuse? Yes. John Marlowe was also in 29 episodes of Days of Our Lives and MP De Last Dawn, which was an album and crime film by Master P. All right, on to question five. Only one established film critic dared to review this film according to Rotten Tomatoes. Who was it? Was it number one film threats Rory Aronofsky who dared to say, there's too much packed in here, bro, and gave it three out of five stars? Was it Roger Ebert who wrote a review that was just him complaining about all the letters Dietz wrote him to try and get him to review his film? Or was it number three, in true hipster fashion, it's really cool to do retro reviews and the AV Club's Katie Rife gave the film an A, calling it unashamedly clear... Brave and funny. I'm sorry, I meant queer, not clear. But she also later said in the review, it's very clear to see who should have got more films made. Uh, yes, Bridget. I'm just going to say three. It sounds like something that could happen. Unfortunately, sounds can be deceiving. Who wants to pick up the steel? Amelia? Uh, it's one. That's correct. I remember that because I looked at, at Rotten Tomatoes earlier because I was curious what the rating was. <laughs> My research, <laughs> my weird obsession with Rotten Tomatoes is rubbing off on you. <laughs> I probably butchered Aronofsky's name, but hey, I don't. I do. Anybody agree. who's wondering, this movie is certified rotten. Like, <laughs> it's weird because it got a three out of five, which technically means it's above halfway, though. I mean, there's enough one-liners right. in it that are good that I can't say it's bad. Speaking of things that aren't bad, Beverly Kills came out in 2005, which was a pretty dim important year for acclaimed queer cinema. Which of these acclaimed films didn't come out in 2005, though? Was it 1, Brokeback Mountain, 2, Transamerica, or 3, Before Night Falls? Uh, yes. Ro? Brokeback Mountain. Close but no cigar, December 9th, 2005. Uh, uh Bridget? This is a guess, but I'm gonna say Transamerica, because the trans issue wasn't quite as public in 2005. Transamerica certainly did not start the discussion of trans rights, but it did help popularize it when it was released on December 2nd, 2005. I'm sorry, but that's incorrect. Before Night Falls netted Javier Bardem an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor, but that was way back during the start of the millennium, excuse me, millennium, back in the year of 2000. 
All right, question seven. Uh, Water Bear Films Library is interesting for containing low-budget foreign and older queer films. Which of these semi-famous films is actually in their library? Is it number one, the 1970s version of Boys in the Band? Number two, the extreme cinema classic Solo or 120 Days of Sodom? Or three, the original release of John Waters' Pink Flamingos? Ro? I'm going to go with the original Boys in the Band. Nope. No? Oh, dang. Hold on, I have a thing about this. Boys and Then was distributed by the by National General Pictures and is currently released through CBS DVD, as far as I could tell. But Waterbearer seemed to never actually have the rights this to This is it. what I get for not doing any research before recording. <laughs> this is what I get for doing too much research because there wasn't enough production history. <laughs> Um, so we have the cinema classic Solo or the 120 Days of Sodom or the original release of John Waters' Pink Flamingos. Amelia? Is this the 100 Days of Sodom? You are correct. Yay! I win! Bravo! (laughs) What a shocker! I'm so surprised! I honestly can tell you are shocked. (laughs) Oh, so shocked. 120 Days of Sodom, also known as my birthday if the U.S. gets his act together and starts wearing their damn masks, is unknown for his graphic content, which means it was probably easy for Waterbearer to pick up the rights. And with that, I am so proud to announce the promotion of my underling, Amelia. Yay! You get... I get to be first in command now, right? You get to be first to summarize this film. Oh. <laughs> That's not as fun. It's equally as important, though. I was though. looking forward to leading at least, like, three minions to, like, I don't know, topple a government or something, but I guess I'll summarize. You can lead two minions into learning about the structure of this film. Okay, I'll help you topple a government anytime, Amelia. Hell yeah. Thank you. I'm glad somebody's in my court. Um, All right, so Beverly Kills. Beverly Kills is a movie about how Beverly Hills kills all your dreams and hopes and uh, drives you to madness and to staging a... Weird cult coup on this uh, this gay theater. Um, sure. um, so Beverly is an aspiring actress, uh, goes to an audition, gets rejected and laughed at, and therefore she hatches a plan to start a cult and kind of blow up Hollywood, literally. Um, I wanted to say also there's uh, twinks with commitment issues. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Twinks. There's, it's just, I do agree with the reviewer that said there is a lot packed in here. Yeah, like, <laughs> takes a long time to form. Yeah. She's like, I have hypnosis. And then she's like, cult. She's like, I have hypnosis. Now what? I have a cult. Now what? Um... Oh, I guess we can blow up the city. It's, it's, yeah. it's like that meme. It's like has hypnosis makes cult step three question mark. Yeah. Or and then step four <laughs> success. To be like, what do I do now? Yeah, and he's just like, hey, give me my money. But like, he's also really kind to <laughs> her I feel like throughout the masseuse... most of the movie. Like he lets yeah. it known that the money issue is an issue, but he keeps like supporting her. Until it gets to a point where yeah, he's like, true. I'm really in a bad place. Like, I need you to, like, actually pay me. I also really like that there's, like, um, that Beverly never hypnotizes the masseuse. So there's obviously, like, some, like, uh, c- uh, circular, like, respect going on there. Mm-hmm. Like, 
She'll she'll blow up the Hollywood Walk of Fame, no problem. But hypnotizing her masseuse is the one line she no. Won't she cross. trusts him. Like they're friends. Like if they weren't friends, he's strong. He would have like beat the shit out of her to get his money way before then. Like I feel like he should have run the cult with her. To be but honest, he didn't because of Jesus. Because he was the ideas guy, and every cult needs an idea. She literally guy. asked him and he was like no because of jesus he literally said jesus yeah he he already that's right he already had a cult affiliation (laughs) i really the thing i really like most about this film is just because there's this real sort of conflict within it about like one story is like over the top with its tone and the other is just very grounded like the twink romance drama is like very normal very you know realistic versus the versus like this per, this over the top character who's creating their own cult and they're going to basically take revenge on everyone they see that is wrong them i really appreciate that <laughs> i'm going to agree and disagree there because i feel like in a way the twink romance like is almost more unbelievable than Beverly because like, okay, yeah, no, we're, we've suspended our disbelief for Beverly, but the like third act miscommunication situation with like the roller rink, I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a movie. Like, there's so many good one-liners. It's like they didn't even... But, like, that scene right there kind right. of broke the movie for me a little bit. It's like they didn't even try to communicate with each other. They just jumped immediately into, Who's that man? And why are you skating with him? Even though, like, obviously to anybody watching, you don't appear to yeah, want to be skating He literally, like, grabs yeah. his arm and goes. Um, so I'm just gonna step in here and do my, uh, you know, what I'm actually supposed to do for a minute. <laughs> so, I like to uh request that we um keep in mind that this scene was led up to and not like uh by itself um and so just like you know please keep that in mind uh when doing the discussions so that we don't give a false impression of the events that happened so yeah that's that's pretty much it thank you (laughs) by the way our two main twinks for uh just for clarification for the audience their whole meet cute involves um the one twink who's not affiliated with the theater who just bases the hollywood walk of fame celebrity impersonator business from the theater right he sleeps in the theater that's where he lives is in the theater uh other twink twink number two is the um the guy who runs the lights. I thought he was sound guy. And their whole meet cute involves one complication no, he was he was lights guy, he was remember? Because okay. he was making fun of our first twink for not being able to know where Ooh, up center was. Thing. Don't let me forget. And he and he, and he, uh, yeah, and he enlightened whole, him. Their whole meet cute. Mm-hmm. Their whole meet cute involves um, light guy giving uh, twink number one an Ambien, two Ambien, and then falling asleep together on stage, and then literally waking up naked, and not even making a big well, deal about it. Okay, like. I Just rewatched that it <laughs> for and I was like the waking up naked because Shane, our main character, still has his pants on. And the fact that he's like, I just sleep naked and it seems like naked is cool in this theater. 
it kind that so, kind of makes sense. uh to the audience again for a little bit of context this isn't just some random twink romance in the middle of a cult movie like um <laughs> one of our twinks manages to get their hands on a on a on a cd copy of the cult manifesto and they really want that back could we which call is it a why manifesto. they're involved in the first <laughs> Ever a manifesto is in your I mean, I would call it. They call it a manifesto. That's true. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I just it felt more like a wannabe. You know. It. It. To be honest, had really. I don't know. It kind of gave me like Heaven's Gate vibes. If Heaven's Gate yeah. were like, were like Heaven's Gay, gay. It reminds me like like overly aggressively gay. Heaven's, Heaven's gay. gay. Yeah. Heaven's it kind of looked like the Good opening. <laughs> kind of looked like the opening to Beekman's World in a way. <laughs> it did, didn't it? Hey, Amelia, what'd you think of What's the com- what'd you think of the comedy? What What did I think of the movie? <laughs> of, of no, of the comedy. You mean just like in general of the comedy in the movie? I yeah. liked the one-liners. Yeah. Uh, I really liked. I I really liked certain aspects of it, like that joke where uh, they're all about to drink the punch, and she's like, "This tastes funny," and then she's like, "Hey, the punch tastes like cyanide." I kind of lost it. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have a list of one-liners that I think were great from this movie. I love the monologue, the 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 I'm gonna blow up uh, uh, monologue. And, yes, and the voting. And, line. I want I want that monologue the written down for great. me so I can use it as an audition piece. Honestly, I also am a huge fan of the songs that were in this movie. Balls out. A pl- I would watch that musical. Uh, I would absolutely watch that musical. A lot of the songs in this were written by Damien Dietz, uh, especially like the theater. You can watch that musical. It's called, I believe, Naked Boys Singing, and it's <laughs> either played or is still playing off Broadway. Hold on. Naked Boys Singing. I'm just double checking to make sure that I gave you the right. Come title. back for musical Naked month Boys to see singing. what we think about. There it, it. is. Nude men celebrate their anatomy and the gay lifestyle in comedy and song, and they do it all while nude. Isn't there also, like, the puppetry of the penis or something? There is a show where they do that, actually. Um, They covered it in an episode of Real Sex on HBO. It was was very interesting. Um, Not only do you have to have, like enough equipment to do it but you also have to be comfortable enough standing in front of an audience naked without being aroused to be able to like handle it and do stuff with it i don't know the whole premise of that show just seems really interesting to me i'm sorry son you're only seven inches you have to be at least nine inches to be in puppet you know the pain <laughs> but can you but can you fold it into a hamburger <laughs> that doesn't look nearly enough like a dog um, so it's like uh, balloon uh, animals, but with a penis. That's exactly what okay. it is. Yes, I love I, it. I couldn't give you for the life of me. Couldn't give you the name of the show, but um, it did exist, 
and it did well enough to um, get the attention of HBO. <laughs> um, okay. I should probably mention real fast that a lot of this, a lot of the music in this, not like the singing music or the theme song, uh, it turns out are actually just uh, Apple Loops uh, jingles um, that were found. This was edited in Final Cut Pro, and so they most likely use stock music from the apple library to use it because you will recognize a lot of these like songs from other gay films that we'll watch in the future because that was apparently a thing that happened well when uh back in the day of like real indie queer filmmaking like none of these films really had a budget or else they would have actual people with name recognition starring in them so like the fact that we even had like a nameable star in dorian blues like was a was an achievement i mean we had john marlowe from Um, orgasmo that's true yeah i guess yeah So, but, like, my point is, you know, if if you don't have enough budget to hire actors with, you know, public recognition, then you're certainly not going to have the budget to hire somebody to write original music for your film. And that's why you see a lot of these films back in the days reusing, like, stock footage and um, royalty-free music and stuff like that. Because there just wasn't the interest for it outside of the the small niche market that was LGBTQ people in the early 2000s. It's probably also equally as hard to get people to be naked on films when you have, like, low to no budget. Um, oh, yeah. So. Well, you know. And there's so many penises. They did make, like, five eating out movies, though. There's so many penises in this movie that I'm kind of impressed. There are so many penises. So many. I lost count. I lost like, count, and that's, like, rare none for of me. Them this close. movie opens with a penis and nearly closes with a penis. Um, but, like, literally no, no up-close re- penises, which... No no erect ones either because they're professional penises. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate prof- that, but, like, <laughs> no good views. Yeah. This... Uh, you should have been here last week when we did Vampire Boys. <laughs> Just wait till we get to Vampire <laughs> Boys 2. Um. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. I just, I would like a little bit of time to be spent on the Masseuse's arc because I think it's like the most underrated thing in this movie and how like weirdly complex it is. So like, okay. At the beginning, there is his responses where like you know the the through line is that he does need money from Beverly but he's clearly not like harping on her for the money so like in that first scene there's sort of like a i i can't even tell is it sarcastic is it not but it's he's like you show them at a girl and it seems like it honestly it seems like kind of in a best friend sort of way where it's like i don't really care but like yeah like power to you yeah, like he's probably like the most supportive character in the film and their relationship is genuinely interesting, you know. Um because it's just like 
like you said, like uh, their arc together is just very strange because he's both very supportive, but he's also very frustrated with her at the same time. And when it gets down to, you know, um, you know, the final, uh, I guess, interaction with them where he basically tells her to blow herself up and stuff. It's very jarring. But I, I really she's like just it. like, yeah, that's an idea. Like, maybe yeah. I will. So like, <laughs> you, you see like that shift, but he still does give her some encouraging words. And but he's also like flippant and is just like, fine, just like blow yourself up. And I guess she has so much trust in him at that point that he's just like that. Beverly's just like, yes, blow myself up. Well, I feel like it's in line with everything that Beverly has done beforehand, like making a cult in the first place. Like, I feel like if you're already at the point where you're making a cult, like it isn't that much of a stretch. Yeah. I mean, even though he's supposed to be like this cartoony character, he comes across being really human, you know? Yeah. I do feel that the masseuse is one of the most like genuine real life characters in the movie. Yeah. I'd like to see a sequel where it follows the masseuse and Beverly's friendship. They just become best friends and like, Well, we know what happens to know. the masseuse. He ends up in, he gets up here. I jail. want a prequel now. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It says that at the end. Um, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that this entire movie is literally propaganda to get out the gay vote. <laughs> That's right. You need to get out and fucking vote. <laughs> at the end, at the end of this movie, when the plot to bomb uh, the Hollywood Walk of Fame fails and everybody's gathered together in front of this dinky little theater, somebody in the cult says, Oh yeah, isn't today commun- uh, uh, local voting day? Uh, yeah, maybe we should all go vote. After all, it is our civic duty. Hey, Beverly, why don't you come with us? At a, the most random moment in the movie, literally has nothing to do with anything else in the movie. I feel like this whole movie is just a secret plot to get the gays to vote. Remember, fellow uh, brothers and sisters of the queer perspective, uh, if all of us go out and vote, then we beat all the straights because they're too lazy to do anything. Like, have you seen the percentages? <laughs> we can we can have a gay president next Take time. Take that straight people. <laughs> so there can only be one second in command to aid me in taking over the world. So let's find out who my queer mander in chief is going to be with our final game, Gay Set Match. You know how this goes. Two categories, three rounds. The odd one out chooses between two options. So let's just get started with category one. Your leader has needs. Which trophy hunk would you kidnap specifically for me? First round is Amelia versus Bridget. Amelia goes first. Uh, I would kidnap the fireman with the elephant song because I just I thought he was great. I, I very much enjoyed his little show. <laughs> All right, Bridget, who would you kidnap for me? Oh, um... Okay. Best ass in the whole movie was the dancer who got his towel torn away. Like, he's a good-looking fellow, so him. Okay, bro. Your choices are put out this fire, baby, or Mr. Review Review. Um... I think I'm going to have to go for Mr. Review Review. As much as I love an exotic dancer, 
um, as a, as a as a famous slut once <laughs> said, um, I don't like men with too many muscles. <laughs> Congratulations, Bridget! You get the first point. Would you like to keep review review for round two? Sure. All right, Ro. It's time to put your matchmaking skills to the test. Who would you choose for me? I think. I'm going to go purely on a character basis for Mr. Strip. Um, He had the most dynamic part in the movie in that he stood there and smiled and didn't really say anything unless provoked. Um, And also, you know, he dressed up as Tarzan at the end of the movie, so... I do like those swingers. Yeah, I'm going to go for Mr. Strip. All right, Amelia, your choices are review, review, or swing into my heart, sweet Tarzan. <laughs> hmm. I'm going to have to go with Strip. Bless. Strip was charming. <laughs> and That's also, great. he gives out secret blowjobs after I'm everybody just, yeah. goes to sleep. Exactly. And I think that's right up NATO's alley. <laughs> I mean, what consenting adults Perfect. don't like secret blowjobs, right? <laughs> and the point goes to Roe. And now we're on to round three, our final round of this category. It's Roe versus Amelia. Are both of you happy with your options? Yes. Absolutely. All right, then, Bridget, it's up to you. Do you choose put out this fire, baby, or swing into my heart, sweet Tarzan? Oh. Uh, okay. You know, I'm just banking this on odds because if i go tarzan and i'm right then everyone's right so i'm going to go with uh fireman stripper because i'm gonna play the odds and also i'm just gonna say like as great as morning blowjobs are i'm pretty sure fireman stripper also is up for those based on the company he keeps and i think I think you need more uh, conversation than Strip can Yeah, give, Strip's so. really just for standing in the corner and looking pretty. <laughs> so true, so true. Well, the point goes to Amelia as we go on to Category 2. You know, sometimes you need to hire someone purely based on their ability to take all of the blame. So the first round is, we need an escape goat. Who would you hire to be our escape goat? First round is Roe versus Amelia, and Roe goes first. Oh, goodness. I don't remember her name, but she was the woman in the cult who ended up impersonating uh, Marilyn Monroe, who's very kind of in your face about where she wanted her boobs to be placed. Yeah. Hector. Yes. Hector. Hector. I'm going with Hector. Hector's taking the fall. Hey, Amelia, what is your choice? Uh, Honestly, the director. I just didn't really see a point to him. <laughs> Which one? The closeted one or the out the one? one? Yeah, the one that, like, told him that he oh, was depressed. Oh, yeah, that he needed to just stop being depressed. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about him, but I actually, that was my choice, too. <laughs> so I guess you're going with no direction director over Hector with boobies. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Director was the first. All right, so the point goes to Amelia, and let's move on to your choice, Bridget. Who would you choose for our escape goat? Oh, um, I'm going to say Lighting Guy. The love interest? He's the love interest, yeah, but the the love interest was an unnecessary part of the movie. Um, They should have incorporated him better, and they didn't. So, like, yeah, no, he was pretty much... Anything he did 
Shane could have done as far as like plot stuff when it came to like being kidnapped for the CD or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I'll just say they wasted love interest big time. So lighting guy. All right. So we have unloved love interest versus Hector with babies, boobies. Uh, who is your choice, Amelia? Uh, I'll choose Hector's boobs. I yes. Think. Blame everything on Hector. It's all her fault. <laughs> That's how you know you got a good escape code. <laughs> All right, and the point goes to Amelia as we go to our final round. All right, but before we do, Amelia, Bridget, would either of you like to change your option or you want to keep what you got? Oh, oh sorry, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> sure. All right, well, we need an escape code. Who's it going to be? All right. Who's taking the blame in my plot to take over the world? Um, excuse me? I think it's got to be the director. Just based solely on the terrible advice that he gives. Um, I think I have to go with the director. <laughs> okay. So tonight's winner and my second in queer man is Amelia. Again? Yay! I did this. What do this I win? is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you win the ability to answer this very important question for us all. Would you recommend this movie? Absolutely. I mean, it's great. It was campy. It was fun. I loved it. I would watch the musical that was in it. <laughs> I want to watch Hindenburg, to be honest. Um, okay, bro. Do you think this movie could rally the troops or just cause poops? Eh, I've recommended worse movies on this podcast, so I'm going to go ahead and say give it a watch. <laughs> All right, and finally, Bridget, do you think that this film should go in my manifesto, or should it make you say, man, no? I, I think this movie has some greatness. If nothing else, there's literal pages of one-liners to be found in it. <laughs> well, that's what we think, but if you've seen this movie or end up watching it, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Gayakapod, that's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for suggestions, and we can't wait to experience more movies with you. <gasps> My troops, I have received very sad news. Our attempt to take over the Dunkin' Donuts on East 1st Street was a total failure. But that doesn't mean that we can't try again. In the meantime, tell me, Confidants, how would you help modernize this film? Let's start with Amelia. I would remake it as a sci-fi action thriller. <laughs> you had me at sci-fi action. All right, Bridget, what would you do? So I think that we need to spend more time with Beverly and her cult. And I also think we need to drop all the references to like until gay marriage. Um, but I, I think if we had spent more time with Beverly, like hypnotizing people and like really doing the cult thing. And as much as I love the masseuse, cut the masseuse, cut 90% of the theater stuff and just focus on, like how Shane is being like pulled into the like cult conspiracy, but has like one lifeline of lighting guy and just like really condensed the movie and expanded those limited bits because that was, that was the only like bad part of the movie really was that it was all over the place. So I think the three things you need to focus on, like you can give Shane the setting of working at a theater and even living at the theater, but just like pare all of that down to its like base form and have cult Shane and lighting guys lifeline and just like streamline it and expand on those bits. And last but not least, we have Ro. Um, I want to turn this movie into a full on propaganda film. Really 
dial up the cult angle um, and really drive home that get out the vote message at the end. I want this to be like the quintessential queer propaganda piece. I want to visit all the parallel universes where those exist. Well, I'm Nato Kitchen. Just because the revolution didn't happen today doesn't mean you should stop trying to take better dick pics. Later. <laughs>